Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome home. This is Tracy, and we want to thank you for being a part of the Life Together podcast. Before we get into this week's teaching, we want you to know that you matter to God and you matter to us. Life Together is a Wednesday evening gathering for worship, Bible study, and community here at Oak Creek Assembly of God in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. We only have two weeks left in the series we're in right now. The series is called Serendipity, and we're talking about how would we can become people of the Spirit, how we can become more in tune with both the marriage of listening and doing, to hear the will of God, and then to be brave enough to do it. We're talking about the word serendipity with the idea that sometimes for us, things can feel unpredictable, that you can find God in the unplanned and the unexpected. And when we follow after God, there is this adventure to be had. And we don't know what's going to come next. But we also believe that God is sovereign. We believe that he is the God who knows all of the plans, who knows what's behind every door. And that in our unknowing, God is the one who is always knowing, who is leading us and we can follow his steps. So in this series, we've had a lot of visitors with us on stage, which has been really, really fun because we think this is kind of a, a conversational moment, that it's one of the things that, one of the practices of our faith. There are things that we believe and then we have to figure out how those beliefs come into action. And so we've really enjoyed having a lot of friends with us during this series as we talk about how to live out this spirit-led life. And tonight we have some really great friends with us. Mandy, who are these people? We are so excited to have Mark and Heather McKinstry with us tonight. Um, so, yes. All the way from table number three. <laughs> so Mark and Heather were originally the Life Together uh, pastors at Oak Creek Assembly of God. For those of you who are new in the last couple years, um, they were youth pastors here 18 years ago. And then they went to be the discipleship pastors and the missions pastors. And then being the missions pastors, God called them to missions. Who knew? <laughs> and so um, I'm going to let them tell you about um, what they're doing right now. What are you guys doing right now? Hey, everybody. Um, my name is Mark, and it's great to be here uh, and to be with friends. Uh, it's, it's just awesome to connect with people. Thanks for having us. We are uh, missionaries in Spain. And uh, we have served a term, one term in Spain already, and uh, God just did incredible things. Probably the most incredible things he did were actually in our lives more than anybody else. But we watched him do amazing things all around us in people's lives as well. And uh, right now we're back here in the States uh, itinerating, which means we're traveling uh, to churches and different organizations and sharing the vision that God's given us uh, for a church plant uh, that he's laid on our hearts uh, that he wants to see accomplished, and he's asked us to, to lead that in a city called Malaga, Spain, way in the south, uh, down by Gibraltar. And so that's what we're doing back in the States right now. We've been very busy. Uh, we were in Cincinnati on Sunday, um, and yeah, just had an incredible service down there. Um, and uh, next weekend, we're up in Wapaka, and then we've got a couple of meetings in between uh, this week and at the end of the week. And so that's just kind of the life of a missionary that itinerates. They're just very busy. Very busy and very tired, I'm sure. But you look great and you don't look tired at all. Thank you. Um, 
And so, thanks, thanks, good save. Um, and so tonight we're talking about how God's spirit leads us, and sometimes um, when we follow God in obedience, adversity can come. And I loved your reaction earlier. What was your reaction earlier I said today? People actually have life without adversity. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of the, the stories we've talked about in this series in Acts, God does something unexpected, and it's amazing right? It's just, it's kind of like all good. And sometimes when God leads you down a path, it's not all good. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us about some of the adverse experiences that you've had being a follower of Christ? Yeah, I mean, I, seriously, uh, it's, it's a long list. But um, it started, I, I want to start back in seventh grade, which is not a real big deal to you all, but it was a huge deal to me. I tried out for cheerleading for five years and I never made it. It's horrible. Why? But it was, it was, I was not good. Was it a um, rhythm issue? I actually, I, do you want to actually know why? It wasn't a rhythm Because certainly it wasn't a spunkiness issue. No. Okay. It was that I weighed 92 pounds and I had no muscle <laughs> to like, I don't know, make the formations they wanted me to make. Um, I thought I would have been a great person on top of the, you know, pyramid. But anyway, um, so what that taught me though, I, I, my mom was like, you know, why do you do this every year? You try out and you don't make it and then you're crushed. And I'm like, mom, I can do all things through Christ. And she's like, yeah, but you're not doing it. And I was like, but it actually, like, but what it means to me is that like, God is giving me the strength to try, right? And so God, through that, really ridiculous, and it wasn't actually only true, it was like literally everything I tried out for I didn't make, um, that God developed like perseverance in my life to just keep on trying and keep on trying. And then, and then he taught me another thing when I tried out for the singing group, and I didn't make that either. And then my, my teacher said, if you, you didn't make it this year, Heather, but if you take voice lessons with me, you will make it next year. And I did. And, and so it taught me that perseverance and work that God can use that. And then um, it just kind of went on from there. I had quite a few deaths um, early on, like of friends early on. And God just really taught me things through those circumstances. And I think the thing that, that really has, it hit me early on was that adversity is not for that moment. Like, yes, you need to get through it, as you get through it, pay attention because there's lessons that God has for you in those situations. And so the example that I used this morning was that my friend died of AIDS when I was 19, right before we got married. And like I said, there, this was about the third close friend of mine that had passed away within like three years. And I literally, when my, they, when my mom told me that he died, that we had just gotten the phone call, I said to her, what is going to happen in my life that all these friends keep on dying. And um, this, this is the point that I said, I tried to figure it out myself, and I thought Mark was going to die. I thought, he, I thought I'm going to marry this guy, and he's going to die young, and God's preparing me for it. Um, so don't try to figure out what it is. You'll figure it out when God brings it to well, you. <laughs> but Mark's not, Mark's not. Mark's still young. Mark's, well, thank you. I how, meant, how, thank you. I mean, I meant like it would have been like 10 years or something. Okay. Yes, we're still very young. Right. We've been married for 28 years. So anyway. I'm 39. You can't no, lie in church. Because that <laughs> was like, that's, Sorry. no, Forgive we're me. not. But anyway, so, so anyway, my very close friend, Lori Dykstra, passed away of cancer um, now just about 12 years ago. But I used those those skills that I that I learned when John passed away. Um, I was able to not only implement while she when she passed away for myself, but also 
help her along the path as, we, as she got her diagnosis and we walked this path together. And so God uses those things to help teach us things, right? Um, other things I think of is, um, you know, when we were called to missions, um, well, Mark was called in high school. I knew what I was getting myself into when I, when I married him, um, although I kept on, like, hoping we weren't actually ever going to go. Um, and so... Um, nice try, Heather. I know, right? <laughs> so it's like, we bought our house in Kadehe, and Mark's like, if we buy this house, this means that we're not going to go until the kids graduate from high, from high school. And I was like, awesome. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> I have no problem with that. Um, but when we actually came to the place where um, we decided that it was time, um, I literally had like an attack of anxiety that was like, I mean, three years long. If I talk to you during that time, I'm very sorry. Um, I, I will apologize till I die. I mean, like I was insane. Like I literally could not, I couldn't keep my hands still. I couldn't. It was so much. It was, and I couldn't even name what it was. Poor Allie was the only one at home at that time. Uh, the, our oldest was in school already. And if you didn't know, the daughter, the girl that was singing here before is our daughter. Um, and so, um, but yeah, she was the only child at home. And so she got like all the anxiety, like, ah. She's like, mom, I'm okay. She's probably not okay now. Um, <laughs> You've turned out very nice. She did turn out nice. I like her. Um, and... Uh, but I had so much anxiety, and it really took just so much prayer and counsel. And that's probably why I talked to you, sorry, because I needed counsel. I, I needed people to feed into my life in positive ways. And, and I needed God's assurance that I would be okay. And then when we our la after our last Sunday here on staff, we went on a family vacation that Mark's parents paid for. We went on a cruise. And on that cruise, our oldest daughter was flight, life, life flight lifted um, because she had a bleeding ulcer. And then we got back, and then she's okay, she's okay. But she was flight lifted, so it's a pretty traumatic experience. And then we got back, and um, our house, our, a pipe burst in our, in our home and flooded our kitchen and our basement and ruined just so much stuff. And this was, our, we had a house fire like 15 years ago. So like, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, just, there's just so much, right? But there was that. And then there were the riots in Sherman Park. Well, that directly affected me because I worked in Sherman Park. And I just, I really remember just standing up and I was like, I mean, I was exhausted. I was so like, literally like saying goodbye to all my friends, saying goodbye to our life here, doing this. And I was still going to teach that one last year, but I was so, I was mad. I was like, you know what, Satan? No matter what you do, I, we're going. So stop. Go bother someone else. You know? And, and I, I don't necessarily think that everything that, that comes my way is from Satan. But what I do understand from the book of Job is that God does allow us to be tempted for a time. And that was one season where I felt like, all right, <laughs> that stuff keeps coming at us. Someone's not happy that we're going to Spain. And, and the, act, the attacks just kept on coming. I think it's important that, like, you know, I'm glad you're here in the room with us tonight. And I hope you're not just hearing Heather. I hope you're also watching her. Because, you know, for someone who's experienced the list of things that you're listing very quickly, if you're watching her and the way that she's smiling and joking and kind of moving through all of this, it, there's another path where any one of these things could have been someone's stop sign. 
where any one of these things could have been lights out, that's enough, I can't take anymore, I'm done. And yet somehow God allows adversity to build our strength rather than to weaken us. And well, there's a, so I actually, it's kind of funny. I told me, Andy, I asked me, Andy, can we sing the goodness of God um, tonight? And then she said to Tyler, can you have them sing the goodness of God? And then so Tyler said to Allie, we're going to change to the goodness of God because the guest speaker wants to sing the goodness of God. <laughs> and then yesterday I said. So really, you could have just asked your daughter. I know, I didn't know, I didn't know. I said, I said. Oh, we're we're gonna be the ones interviewed tomorrow night. She goes, "You're the guest speaker." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, you're and, the reason." But she's still here. Now Joey's not here tonight. He's and in. I, he's he was on Crossroads. We'll check on that. Team. Yeah. Okay. So uh, anyway, so um, but that the reason why is because of that, right? The goodness of God, right? If God's faithfulness every single time, and I'm so thankful that I was I was raised in a family that that also experienced, my mom had a brother that died at the age of 15, and I saw, I saw my grandma not actually, she was a Christian and she loved God, but it was hard for her, and I thought, I want to do better, I want to do better, and my grandpa did do, my grandpa was amazing, he just passed away in June, we sang that song at his funeral because his life, like, just, just, I mean, he, like, he literally, his idle chatter was, God is good. God is so good. And, and I just, and that's the example that we saw, his singing, his, his joy. Um, and, and so like when you face adversity, just know that it's not because of that thing. It's not because of anything. Well, I can't say that it's not because of anything you, you've done. It might have been something because of, but it doesn't mean even if it's something that you have done, God can still use it. Right, he can still redeem it. Hold it in, like hold it, like don't hold it before him. Hold it before him, and let him use that to shape your future for you. That's so powerful, Heather. Let's take our trip over to the Book of Acts tonight. So, in this series, we've been taking kind of a hopscotch journey through the Book of Acts, looking for people who had these moments, people who said yes to God, people who heard a leadership from the Holy Spirit and found themselves in the path of something awesome. And so we're going to look at two women tonight, and we're going to look at two missionaries, Paul and Silas, and Paul and Silas encounter two women in the chapter, in chapter 16 of the book of Acts, and we're going to look at those tonight. So Acts 16, verse 13 and 14 says this, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And so we find Paul and Silas on an unexpected path, looking for a quiet place to worship. They go down to this pasture. They see these women that are gathered there. They start talking to these women. They meet this woman named Lydia, and she's led to faith because of her uh, conversation with Paul and Silas. So we don't know a whole lot about Lydia. She's not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible, but we can learn a little bit about her just from some of the clues that are hidden here in the scripture. So one of them is that Lydia, her name itself, her name is not so much a name as it is a location. So Lydia was actually an area of Greece that she had moved from. So she was born there and then moved somewhere else. So when they use the name Lydia, it's almost as if they were saying the Lydian woman. So that would be where she was from. So we know from this that she was a Greek person, which in this 
this time period was a privileged thing to be. That if you were a Greek person, you were a Roman person, well then being of that citizenship meant that you were in the upper echelon of society. And so we find Lydia in this place. We also see there that she's a dealer in purple cloth, which, you know, you might think of just the purple fabric. What that really meant was she was a dealer in dyed cloth, that if you were poor, you would be someone who would have undyed cloth, right? You would just have the cheapest, easiest to find fabrics, burlaps, those kinds of textiles. But if you were someone who was wealthy, well, then you could afford the fancy and the beautiful things. And so that was the business that Lydia ran, is that she was someone who would dye cloth and then had her sellers who would then travel and sell this, which would mean that Lydia was a very wealthy woman, that she was a businesswoman, which was very rare in that time. And so for her to be this kind of independent, entrepreneurial, successful business owner puts her in this very rare category. It also says in this passage that she was a worshiper of God, which is interesting, right? That Paul and Silas are sharing the gospel with someone who is already described as a worshiper of God. Where is she at? Well, she's in kind of this Bible study group, which tells us that Lydia is someone who is already seeking. She was already interested. She is this Greek woman who is attending a Christian Bible study, looking for truth, seeking God, wanting to find him. And then in this place where she's seeking truth, she runs into two men, Paul and Silas, and as they explain to her the gospel, who Jesus was, how his sacrifice on the cross made a difference for her, how his resurrection makes a difference for her. It was this instant moment, this aha moment for Lydia, and she accepts Jesus Christ as her Savior, and her life's never the same. One little interesting thing about Lydia is in the next verse that comes is it says that as soon as Lydia receives Christ, she tells Paul and Silas, this is awesome. I want to spend more time with you. While you're staying here in Philippi, come stay at my house. I've got plenty of food. I've got extra rooms. And come and stay, which tells us a few more things about Lydia. It tells us most likely that she was a widow because it would have been inappropriate for a married woman to have guests in her house. And it also tells us, again, that she was very wealthy, that she had the ability to bring these men in under her shelter. And so I want to ask ourselves the question tonight, what is the reaction when Paul and Silas are led to share the gospel with a woman like Lydia? Well, it's kind of all good news. It's all exciting that here's this woman who is in charge. She is a literal boss, and she's doing well, and so she comes to relationship with Christ, and immediately she's part of the group. Paul and Silas are able to spend time with her. She's able to support their ministry it's kind of a all-good response. A couple days go by, and they meet another woman in Philippi, and things go very, very differently. I'm going to jump down to verse 16 here. and It says this, Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling, she followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. What a different story. So let's take a moment and look at this lady. 
And let's start off by the fact that we don't know her name. And there's a really good reason why we don't know her name, because her name at that time was not worth knowing. Is that when the writer of this book put this together, they said, oh, we got to tell Lydia's story. Well, why do we know Lydia? Because everyone knows Lydia. Lydia is a business owner. She's got these great friends. We're so glad that she's a Christian. We're really excited about Lydia. And then there's this female slave, and even the writer of the book doesn't know her name because her name was not worth knowing. In your Bible, it maybe describes her as the, Phil the Philippian slave, which really is a misnomer because she wouldn't have been from Philippi because she was a slave. She was a Philippian slave because that's where she was now, but where she came from, we really don't know. She could have been from Asia. She could have been from Africa. But when a land was conquered, when slaves were collected, that they would have been stripped of everything that they once were, of their family, of their religion, of their culture. And so now the only thing that you would be known as, known as is the identity you now have, that everything you once were was of literally no meaning and of no value. And so she's simply described as the Philippian slave without a name. The one thing that was unique about her was this gift that she had, and the gift that she had was a curse is that she was possessed by this demon, and because of this supernatural demonic spirit that was in her, she had the ability to look into the future and to tell fortunes to people, which made a great amount of money for her owner. And so for her master, who saw her merely as a commodity, she had value not because of who she was, but because of what she could do. And even Paul and Silas, it's like we need to pause here you know, if you think about the New Testament, that first whole half is Jesus, and Jesus is the Son of God, and he is perfect and flawless. And then a whole lot of the New Testament is Paul, and sometimes we can make the mistake of almost thinking of Paul at the same standard, and I have to remind you that Paul was a very good man, but Paul was also a man like we are men and women. He was a flawed person. And you watch Paul's behavior in this scene, and it's not great. Because Paul sees Lydia, and he immediately speaks to her, brings her into the Christian faith. And then Paul's walking back to the church, back and forth to the place of worship, to meet with people like Lydia. And there's this other unnamed woman yelling in the streets. And he ignores her for a day. And then he ignores her for the next day. And then finally, Scripture tells us that he got so annoyed that he cast the spirit out of her. Now I want to ask the question, what is the reaction when Paul and Silas are led to share the gospel with a woman like the Philippian slave? It's very, very different. Paul resisted. And then what happens next? Well, the slave owner is extremely furious that he just lost his source of income. He could not care about this woman one nickel, but he cares about what she could do. And now that God has cast the demon out of her, she can no longer do what she was able to do. And so she has lost value, which means he's lost value. And so he's furious. And so the owner of the Philippian slave goes to the town council. They become enraged. The town's people become enraged. And they go grab Paul and Silas. They capture Paul and Silas. The Bible says they were then stripped of their clothes and they were beaten and flogged. The response to this call from God cannot be more different. I mean, I think about being Paul and Silas and being someone who one day said, yes, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Go talk to Lydia? Absolutely. 
and you follow God's will, and you're kind of greeted with this, like, round of applause of, yay, everything went wonderful. And then two days later, despite your annoyance, God says, I want you to deliver that woman from the demon that's afflicting her. Yes, Lord. And then you find yourself in the middle of a mob getting attacked and beaten. This is the adversity that can come when you surrender your will to God's will and when you follow after him. It's interesting, there is, you know, there's a book called the Talmud, and the Talmud is not part of the Bible. It's a book of religious law written by the Jewish people that was part of their pattern of worship. There's a prayer inside the Talmud that many Bible scholars believe would be something that Paul would have prayed every day. And I want to remind you about Paul. Paul was not always a Christian, but he was always a Jew. And so he's someone who would have been raised learning the Jewish faith through things like the book of the Talmud, which is, again, I want to be really clear, this is not in Scripture. But there's a prayer in the book of Talmud, and it reads like this. Thank you, God, that I am not a Gentile, a woman, or a slave. And I think about the pre-Christ version of Paul that would pray that prayer every day. And we look in Acts chapter 16, and there's only two women here, but they check all three boxes. There was a Gentile, they are both women, and there's a slave. And God says, I love them. I love Lydia, and I love the Philippian slave. And when I am going to call to people to reach out to them, when I'm going to call to my believers to be active, to be people of the Spirit, to follow my voice, I need to find people who will go talk to Lydia, and I need to find people who will go talk to the Philippian slave. I love them both, and it's the reminder for us, you know, that God loves your family. He loves everyone that's in your family. He's called you to care for your family. But I want to remind you tonight that God also loves every widow and orphan in our state and that God needs people to say yes to him and go minister and care. And there are things that are going to bring adversity. God cares for every child in the city with a disability, every difficult story, every kid with a disease. And when you start chasing after the imperfect people that God loves, adversity is going to come with it. And God wants to ask us, who's up for the challenge? You know, God loves the city of Oak Creek and the people that are here. But, you know, God loves the city of Kabul and the people that are there. And if you were someone who God was going to call on your heart to go care for the people of Afghanistan right now, adversity would come with it. And the presence of the adversity does not in any way diminish the presence of God. God is there. God is calling us. And it's a brave call. It's a brave challenge that God would look at us and say tonight, I know you know I love Lydia, but I need to make sure you don't forget. I also love the Philippian slave. And I need someone who's willing to say yes to both. How does that land on you tonight? Any, any thoughts before we close? I just, that, just to see the need to see what God has put before you. And I, I use this example, and I, I, it's certainly not to toot my own horn, but it just, when I read the whole notes of everything, I, it just, God dropped this back in my mind. We were at the airport um, a few months ago, maybe last month, and, and we were, there was a lady that had been behind us, 
and she was um, being pushed through the, you know, the TSA security thing in a wheelchair by a TSA person, and they had to take off her shoes, which were flip-flops, which I thought was ridiculous anyway. But um, I, we were, so we were recombobulating, you know, in the recombobulation area. And, um, and I look over, and the lady, the TSA woman, takes the shoes out of the bin and sets them in the lady's lap. And I can see the lady's like looking at her feet and she's looking at her shoes and she's, I mean, she's older, so you know, she's not gonna be able to like pick up her foot and like put them on there. And I was like, well, how humiliating for her, you know? And so I just walked over, I said, ma'am, can I put your shoes on for you? And she was like, oh, yes. You know, she's like, thank you so much, you know? And so I put on her shoes for her and I get up and I turn around and her husband had been in the Starbucks lane. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was like, pray for that lady. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. And it, like, at that moment, I didn't get to share Jesus with her, but I did get to share Jesus' love with her. And if you don't take the opportunities that God gives you for simple service in showing his love, then you don't get the opportunity to speak into people's lives um, and actually say the words, right? And so... Um, I know my kids, like, they make fun of me all the time, although my Ashley is becoming more like me where she talks to strangers as well. Um, but I'm always in stores looking about who can be helped. I, it catches my eye. And I, and I, I usually, sometimes it's, it's not really even a brave thing anymore. Um, it's more like a, should I do that? Is that a wise thing to do? Um, but if you're not doing it, then those things start to not be noticeable to you, right? right. And then you stop doing those things. And so we're, you know, we were walking out of, of Pick and Save the other day, and a lady had two carts. We probably freaked her out because we're like, do you want us to help you? She had her kid I in one cart. I freaked she was her like, out because yeah. I asked her. And she's like, <laughs> no, we're guy? fine. <laughs> Don't take my kid. Um, <laughs> but, but it's okay. They can say no. You know, and that's okay. And here in America, for now, we're probably not going to be, um, you know, hated against. I mean, that might be the worst that happens to us for now, right? Um, and so take that risk while we can to share God's love, and then maybe you'll actually get to share God's word as well, um, because he died for them too, you know? Heather, will you pray with us tonight? I just, you know, the reason we're going through this series is we're encouraging God to stretch our hearts and our practices that we would be uh, a brave people, people that are willing to listen and people that are willing to do the will of God, even when it brings adversity. And so will you just pray over us tonight as we close? Thank you, Lord, just for who you are. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of grace and a God of mercy. Jesus, I just, um, I thank you that, that you, in this imperfect world, you use adversity to shape us and to bring um, just character and hope in our life. Lord God, you, you choose to grow us, Lord God. You don't just leave us um, in our adversity, Lord God, but you, you help bring us out, Lord God. And so, Jesus, I just pray that um, those that are going through adversity right now, Lord God, that they would see you standing on the other side of it, Lord God, walking through it, but also standing on the other side. Lord, we thank you that you are there with us, but you also know what's on the other side, and there's hope in it, Lord God. And so I just pray, Jesus, that um, you would meet everyone where they're at, Lord God. Um, just give hope and give peace and give courage just to make the hard choices. 
Lord, we want to be world changers. We want to be people that seek after you and just do powerful things in your name. And so I just pray that you would give us the power to do so. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us for the Life Together podcast. It's even better when we get to see you in person. You are invited to join us on Wednesday evenings here at Oak Creek Assembly of God. We are a church that exists to reach our world for Christ as we lead people to discover and become who God has created them to be. Find us online at Oak Creek 